podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus edition of the AI Premier League Preview Pod. After a summer of World Cup football, it's almost time to turn our attention back to a new-look Liverpool side here as Klopp's side embark upon a new season with a renewed determination to challenge for that elusive Premier League title. Given World Cup exertions and late returning stars, the start of this Premier League season actually promises to be a real opportunity for the Reds um, to make ground upon their rivals, making a quick start to the campaign. So tonight, what we'll be doing is be looking ahead to Liverpool's first 10 league games and weighing in on how we think the boys are going to fare. So joining me on the pod tonight, I'm delighted to welcome FIFA and UEFA accredited journalist Chris Williams and a new contributor to Anfield Index, Hakeem Henry. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great to speak to you both. Um, plenty of excitement ahead of this new season, of course. Um, I was just speaking to Chris actually ahead of this pod, just talking about how it's been a strange one for me. I mean, because you would not have thought that we we had lost a Champions League final only a couple of months ago, really. Now, I'm thinking just the amount of positivity that seems to be um, around the club at the moment. Um, I think that's probably you know, partly down to Jurgen Klopp and just the sort of his infectious nature, but partly also the business that we've done. So. Before we get into the games themselves, guys, and talk briefly about how we think we're going to do um, against these teams in, in, in these first 10 Premier League games of the season, what I wanted to do was just try and gauge your feelings as to how you feel you know, things are going as we head into the season, how the summer business has gone. So, Hakeem, to bring you in first, actually, and, and get your feelings on everything, um, how are you feeling as, as a Liverpool fan going into this season, and, you know, given the summer business that we've done? Given the sort of the feeling I feel anyway that, that everyone's pushing in the same direction this time around. Well, I'll say my immediate reaction is is one of content, but then when you really think about the squad, then you could start getting excited about the signings that we've made. When you think of what Keita and Fabinho will bring to the midfield, something that we sh- we sorely lacked last season, where sometimes teams would counter on us and score that one chance that they get. I think Fabinho will prevent situations like that, or majority of situations like that. Cato will give us an extra drive that we're going to be missing since Oxley Chamberlain is going to be out. And then with Shakiri, I think we just needed that extra, the extra attacking talent to to rotate the front three with. So I think it's very good business so far. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, th- I think the business itself has been really encouraging. But what have you made of sort of the? the overall feeling around the camp then? Because obviously it does look, I mean, right now we're in that sort of stage of the preseason where it's just relentless social media content from these players who, of course, in their 20s, pumping out these Instagram stories. Um, I think we saw a couple of nights ago, um, or perhaps it was last night actually, uh, the whole squad taking part in karaoke um, in their training camp in France. And there's some, there's some, there's some natural singers there and there are some players there who perhaps, you know, should never pick up the microphone again, to be honest. But um, how do you feel about this squad in terms of like how united everybody seems to be? I'd rather not use that word, but I think this <laughs> yeah, is the best. <laughs> this is the best that the squad has 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 been portrayed to the public, I would say, or to the fan base. Um, the, the the lads look like they're really gelling well together. We have some good personalities in the squad, 
and it shows it shows now especially you said with with those instagram stories everyone showing the initiations from last night it seems like the squad is very confident they're comfortable with each other and that's the first i can say i've i've experienced that since maybe the rafa era yeah for sure you know, yeah i would say in the past 10 years it's it's been clear that Again, we don't want to use that word, but not only hasn't the club been united, but the fan base in terms of their relationship with the players and with the club. I see the clubs making a, a more concerted effort in getting more content out there to show that the players are human beings too. You know, we're, we're creating that relationship where we can feel, we can feel the human side of the players and not just bodies within a shirt that need to do stuff to, to, to make us enjoy supporting Liverpool Football Club. So I think that's an added bonus when it comes to assessing how 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 the feel of the or the atmosphere of the club is so far. No, I'd certainly agree. I think there has been a, a concerted effort um, yeah, by the club to you know, make the players seem more personable, um, both in the way in which the players themselves are acting uh, towards the local community to the fan base as well, but also. It just seems like people are really getting on well. There's tons of banter flying around there over the camp. Sturridge is never going to be shy about that sort of thing, but it looks like he's really getting on with some of the new recruits. And the new recruits are settling in pretty well. I mean, I think Fabino is the one who I, who I look at and think perhaps actually he's probably a bit more shy and retiring than I would have imagined for somebody who I'm looking to make cynical fouls on people about 70, 80 minutes into a game. Uh, Chris, uh, bringing you in on, on that same question, um, how are you feeling going into this season as a Liverpool fan? Obviously, you watch a ton of football anyway, but you know, going into the season as, as, a, as a Liverpool fan, looking at how the squad um, looks now, obviously with these new recruits, some real strengthening in, in, in key areas for us, but also in what me and Hakim are talking about there, you know, that sense that everyone really seems more together than I can remember for a long time. Yeah, I think Hakeem makes a good point, as you do with the, the social media interaction. And, you know, the club need, um, the club need a lot of, of applauding for that. James Carroll, Matt McCann and his, his team have, have really portrayed the players as, as humanization. They've humanized them. You know, we can buy into them. I think football players have probably been like that at Liverpool for the last few years, but the clubs really embrace social media. I'd say in the past 12 months, but especially this preseason and, and yeah, it looks good. I mean, the, the stuff that we've seen over the past 24, 48 hours, you know, with the singing um, and all the dancing going on, I think if you contrast that with some of the other stories with the Premier League sides where there's unhappiness in the camps and maybe they're not potentially getting on with the managers, you know, from what we read, uh, I think going into this season, everybody should be really happy looking at that and seeing that. And the summer business we've had, for me, it's pretty much perfect. Um, I was in Kiev at the end of the season um, for that game against Real Madrid and what we lacked was somebody to come off the bench and make a difference. I think Liverpool are building a squad now where they can do that. Um, and, you know, I, you'll know, Harry, that I cover a Bundesliga probably more than the Premier League. So um, I've always been a very big fan of Carrius, but unfortunately, you know, it just looks like it hasn't worked for him um, at Liverpool. And, and now we've got Alisson in. I think this is a real chance for Liverpool to to shore up an area which is probably been missing for two to three years. No, of course. And I, I think we, we, we've probably talked at length before about Carrius and, and the potential that he had. And I still think that the people should recognise the the contribution that he played in, in that Champions League run, also in the Premier League run towards the end of the season last year. Um, not last year, but obviously last campaign. Um, it shouldn't all be forgotten because of the struggles that he's 
you know, he's dealt with following that, that concussion in the Champions League final. But to get onto those signings then, just before we go into the games, actually, um, obviously some of the new arrivals, um, Allison being a high profile one, Shakiri mentioned there as well. Um, Keita, that, that guy we knew about for you know, over a season now, but it's, it's, it's been just as enjoyable to finally see him in a red shirt. And of course, Fabino for, for as well. Um, it's, 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 it's been a hugely exciting time. You know, Salah signs a new contract as well. We expect Mane to do, um, similar. Um, Bobby's already signed one. Um, things look to be going in a good direction. Uh, you know, Van Dyke has his first preseason. Hakim, in terms of the, you, you mentioned the reinforcements there and, um, uh, how you feel they'll be important. Uh, which one for you, um, though, has been, uh, the most significant signing that we, that we brought in? I think so far that would be Keita. Uh, I've, I've, co- I've watched quite a bit of Bundesliga too. So I'm, right, I, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure Chris, Chris could attest to this that he's, he's a bit of an enigmatic player that sometimes you don't know what you'll get from him. Either he'll be an amazing defensive midfielder, which he claims that he is, but we know that he isn't. He's just a box to box midfielder where he'll, he'll cut passing lanes. He'll make four or five interceptions within a game. Then he can switch it on a dime and dribble past four or five players, and and thread a thread a beautiful through pass for a goal. So I think he's he he he's going to redefine what our midfield is. And as I said, we were lacking quite a bit in the in that midfield last season, especially after those injuries. I think he combines what two players did last year in just one. So he's he's the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, I think for me, having seen preseason actually as well. So far, uh, Naby's been the one. Aside from Sturridge, and I'm, I'm sure we'll actually come on to talk about Sturridge later on. Um, he's been the one who I've been most sort of, um, not surprised, but pleased to see. Chris, um, Naby Kate is just a, you know, he's, you know, a, a Bundesliga Kante, isn't he? I mean, I mean that's what, <laughs> that's the lazy sort of assumption about what, <laughs> about how he's going to be. Obviously, we know that to be, um, you know, incorrect in terms of all the things that he brings to this, uh, this side, but, um, do you share Hakim's view then to him being the most exciting signing for you? Or as you were talking about earlier on, is Alisson uh, and the promise of a really true, potentially world-class goalkeeper for Liverpool the more exciting one for you? I think they're probably as exciting as each other. But for me, it is Naby Keita will be the most exciting because I'm hoping that I'll see a lot more of Naby Keita on the ball than I will of Alisson. Hopefully, he'll be shored up by the defence that's sitting in front of him and only required to make the odd save here and there. Um, and do it well. But yeah, for me, it's Naby Keita uh, who brings everything that I've certainly seen last season and the season before. His debut season in the Bundesliga was um, exceptional. Uh, he drifted in and out a little bit last season. Um, I think that can be put down to one, he'd signed a contract or you know an agreement to join Liverpool this season. Um, he wanted to leave a little earlier, didn't get that. Uh, he was subject to maybe some harsh refereeing decisions which seem to follow him around for the majority of that season. Um, but in, in flashes, we saw how good he was. I was in um, the Olympiastadion in Berlin for his final game uh, against Hertha Berlin where they run out uh, winners and Keita had a real um, part to play in that before he went off injured. Um, so he will be very excited. And having been at Chester for the first uh, pre-season game, uh, and he came on in the second 45 minutes, but... Um, he was he was exceptional straight away. He did everything that we know he can do. So he stopped um, the attack at the very back position. So he's able. Oh, these are only uh, non-league players, by the way. But he's able to break Chester down very quickly, get his foot in. And, and Jurgen Klopp spoke very highly of him 
after the match, saying that you know he knows Liverpool's system already um, and he knows what he's capable of. So, yeah, for me, it'll be Naby Keita will be uh, the most exciting player, and I think he should be for any Premier League football watcher. And we'll be in for a shock if they don't know much about him. Yeah, for sure, he's he, he's one that I immediately sort of look uh, when it's it's this it's this time of season and the Premier League sort of fantasy football team codes are making their way around various sort of various messages, WhatsApp groups and things like that. And you know, I'm looking at him thinking, I wonder whether he's going to be somebody I can I can put in my team who's, who's actually going to take everybody by surprise this season. I, I certainly think people are um, not underestimating, but just not really prepared for, I think, the level of talent that, that he does possess. So he, he's certainly going to be an exciting one for me, for sure. Um, just before we do get started on the fixtures, I mean, I, I've said that already, Chris, but um, just while I have you here, I mean, um, in terms of the opportunity that, you think we have here at the start of the season. I, mean, I mentioned it at the beginning of the pod that because of the World Cup um, and you know, many players for some of the top teams in the Premier League actually returning very late um, from the World Cup, Spurs especially hit very hard by that. Um, you know, you, you've got Jose Mourinho whining and whining and whining about uh, the terrible um, expensive squad that he's got to deal with. Um, you know, Martial having the audacity to wanting to be with his family after the birth of his first child, you know, various things like that. Um, you know, there, there does seem to be an opportunity there for Liverpool. Uh, obviously, some players have returned later than others, but you know, it feels like we're in a good position to, to kick off um, you know, pretty quickly and you know, get some points on the board. Would you agree that it does seem to be that opportunity for, for clubs at, at, at the start of the season? Hey, Liverpool have got a, a real good opportunity with the squad they've assembled to to get off the season to a flyer. Um, and I think you have to. Nobody's ever going to win the league um, before December, but you can certainly go some way to lose it. So I think it's important that Liverpool start at the right tempo and the right level. Uh, Klopp's already spoken that pre-season carries on a little bit into the into the main season. So I wouldn't expect Liverpool to be firing on all cylinders until September. But the games we've got before then should really be um, winnable for Liverpool and to get off to a good start. I think this season is going to have to be defined by something. Now, whether the FA Cup or the League Cup um, is a trophy at the end of the day, but does that quell the thirst of a league title or maybe a sixth Champions League title? A way to see, but with the squad that's been assembled, Liverpool should be attacking um, attacking the league this season, trying to cut that gap to Manchester City. Uh, I think for the first time in a long time, Liverpool look like they could be able to do that. So obviously, Hakim, Man City having hit that 100 points total, I think that was sort of a psychological landmark for plenty of those top six teams because there's that awareness now that if that's a side that's capable of that, what are we going to have to do? You know, what, what sort of points total are we going to have to put on the board to, to be in with a shot of winning this league? You know, as Liverpool fans, now you may be thinking, is it going to be 90 points-ish that we're going to need? Is that even possible after a World Cup year? There's a huge exertion there. Um, or should we be expecting a lower points total for everybody? Um, but in terms of what I asked Chris earlier then, I mean, do, do you think that there is that big opportunity for Liverpool based on the players that have been in for a while now, uh, you know, training with the team and with the rest of the squad, that we've got an opportunity to, um, you know, to make some ground early on? Well, firstly, if we look at Man City last season, they were quite fortunate in their first few games. I know they had a few tight results and then they pulled out the win quite late. So that gave them a huge, huge buffer when it came December time compared to the rest of the league. So then they could push on to get that, get those 100 points in the second half of the season. So I think 
coming off of this World Cup, I think quite a few of the top six teams are depleted. In terms, of, I know Simon Brundish published a, a little impromptu chart showing how much time players are going to have in their preseason following the World Cup. And Man City is one of those teams that have been hit quite hard having so many players in, in the World Cup semifinals. So I think the the points total will be lower this year. Probably not as low as the year when Leicester won it, but I think 90 points, anyone could get close to 90 points. So 87 to 90 points would probably have a huge chance of winning the league. Now, when we look at ourselves, I think we getting our business done quite early and getting the players in as soon as possible helped us out quite a lot. And not having 14 players like we did in 2014 going to the World Cup also helped out. So we're not missing that many players come the start of the season who've only had a couple weeks of preseason. So I think I think we're in we're in a very good position, but a few of the other top six teams aren't in, in such a good position at all. Yeah. All right then. I mean so now that we've got sort of that preliminary chat out of the way, then I mean I mean obviously the main part of this pod was to have a look at these uh first ten games of the season. You know, thirty points up for grabs there for us. Um and as Chris, I mean as you alluded to, Klopp has mentioned himself that perhaps Pre-season sort of extends into you know, just before September, really, in terms of the physical capacity of the players, you know, getting things understood tactically, etc. People arriving late, um, really, you know, you'd expect the team to hit their rhythm in September. Um, but before then, we obviously have West Ham uh, to kick off the season, Crystal Palace um, and Brighton for f- first three games there. Um, in terms of um, you know, starting the season off at home against West Ham, um, that's another team there who you know, plenty of change that has gone on there. Um, you know, players being brought in quite you know, quite a large number already. Pellegrini at the helm now for them. Uh, that's certainly going to be more exciting than than Davy Moyes. Let's face it. Um, uh, but what sort of game are you expecting there? I mean, that's a team in flux after after their last season. But um, you know, are you expecting a comfortable home win to start the season off? I'd like a comfortable home win. Now, uh, whether I get it or not is a different matter because obviously here in the UK, um, that's a Sunday afternoon kickoff and Liverpool don't do particularly well normally um, with early kickoffs. And within the first month, we've got quite a lot of Sky games or BT games. So we've got some odd kickoff times, but you would hope that on the opening day of the season, especially at home, Liverpool should be um, motoring past West Ham. Yeah, they have brought in um, some new arrivals. Are they... Of, of a level that could um, upset Liverpool, not too sure. You know, they brought in Fabianski, who's he's not a bad goalkeeper, but could you um, see him keeping out Liverpool's front three if they have to play? Probably not. Yarmolenko had two or three decent games at Borussia Dortmund last season and then fell completely off the radar, um, you know, and he's been let go inside of a season. Um, they brought in Jack Wilshire. Will he be fit or... Um, ready in time? Probably not. I think the only excited player that I can see who they've they've brought in was one of their own who came back off loan, which was Reece Oxford, who came back from Borussia Mönchengladbach. So I would say that if you were to pick Liverpool's strongest eleven, they should be getting past um, West Ham quite easily. Now, it's the other two games um, you, where you want to really be uh, getting onto some sort of run. So if we could end August with nine points, I'd be very, very happy. No, for sure. I think the, the opportunity is definitely there. Hakim as well. West Ham to start the season off. I mean, I think West Ham 
playing at Anfield and they're not, they're not had a, I mean, they had a, actually probably a more decent record than we'd like to admit to be honest over the recent years. But, um, given what our home form was last season, um, are you expecting, despite those signings, despite the new manager, um, uh, Liverpool to kick things off on a high with a win against West Ham? Yeah, I think West Ham's going to flatter to receive this, this season. Considering all the signings that they've made, they're quite exciting names to the fans that haven't watched much of European football or football mm. elsewhere. Yeah, Felipe so Anderson. They see, they see Felipe Anderson, they're like, oh, he's amazing. He he was touted for a move to Man U a few years ago, but he hasn't had the best the best few seasons recently. And as Chris mentioned with Yarmolenko, he, he didn't do so well at Dortmund. I think they've made good signings, which they needed to make. To, to help them, I mean, they had a pretty poor season last time, last time around. But I think just just cements them as a mid-table team. These signings, so I I I, don't, I wouldn't be worried too much about West Ham coming the first game of the season. Yeah, it's that midfield for them that I still look at and actually think. I mean, it's just, it's just there's just not enough there to really to really worry me, especially with the reinforcements that we've made as well. I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see how you know. I think Pellegrini returns to the Premier League. What we're used to of his playing style, you expect it to be more expansive and a bit more um, aggressive than perhaps we you saw under David Moyes, you know, much more conservative manager. Um, whether that's actually a positive for West Ham or not, you know, time will tell. Because you know, you know it could be that they, they, they adopt a more attacking approach, and that's probably the last thing you want to be doing against Liverpool at Anfield. So, yeah, certainly going to be interesting, um, especially to see how Klopp sets up as well. Um, Crystal Palace then and, and, and Brighton, if we look at those as a pair, um, both games that I think you, you'd look at again as you know, Liverpool wanting, I mean, you take away the context of, the, of, of when those games are right at the start of the season. Uh, Chris, as you mentioned, some odd times there. Crystal Palace at 8 o'clock, um, Brighton at 5.30 on Saturday as well. Um, you know, lots of TV games for, for Liverpool this season, let's be fair. Um, but again, those are two games against two teams that you'd expect you know, Liverpool need to be looking at that and going, we need to get nine points um, from our first three games there. Um, do you see any um, obstacles in our way um, against those sorts of sides, Crystal Palace and uh, and Brighton too, in their sort of second season? I think Crystal Palace isn't the best of places to go. Um, it's a fantastic atmosphere for anyone that's not been um, they've got a dedicated singing section, which you know a lot of people laugh at, but it does uh, really increase their atmosphere and it, it's a very vibrant place and sings from start to beginning. So if you if you're looking at atmosphere and and a crowd that can really get behind their team, then Crystal Palace is probably one place I wouldn't want to be going so early on. But saying that Liverpool should have the depth, the squad to to overturn them, um, they were. They were quite lucky last season that they didn't finish in a in a worse place than they did. Obviously, playing under Roy Hodgson, who's a, an ex-Liverpool manager, sometimes the football isn't particularly good, um, whatever club he's at. But um, I'm a little concerned by the fact that they brought in Max Meyer. Now, I know one player doesn't completely change the fortunes of an entire team, but depending on whether he plays in a six or an eight role, and listening to Meyer speak yesterday to Crystal Palace TV, um, he feels he's stronger in the eight. Um, I think he could be a problem. And now, could he be a problem for our midfield trio or quartet, however we um, line up on that first day? Not so sure. But um, I I just worry a little bit with Max Meyer. Um, not worried me enough to think that Liverpool can get beat, but I don't think it will be 
a walkover. Uh, I think we could be in for a tight game there. So maybe a, a one nil or a two one, but um, yeah, it's uh, always a strange place to go, uh, especially this early on in the season. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I think that was a, a signing that sort of stuck out as um, stuck out as a real sign of ambition. I mean, uh, just looking at the hashtag here, Myra of London and all that, they 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 had plenty of fun with it. Um, he's clearly a very talented player. Uh, obviously, you, you can debate forever in terms of sort of the, the reasons why he's there and the wages that are being paid. I mean, I, I don't think we should be looking up our nose at that or whatever. But um, uh, Hakim, another uh, another player obviously linked with Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, Benteke is already there from Liverpool, ex-Liverpool player. Um, Rumours um, of, a, of a deal for Danny Ings to move there for 24-odd million, things like that. Uh, Chris mentioned Max Meyer there as a signing of you know, a statement of intent. Uh, however, a statement of intent within a side that's managed by Roy Hodgson. I mean, you tell me how how worried you are about that. Um, do you think Crystal Palace away could be um, you know, a potential banana skin for us in, the, in those first three games? Well, I don't think it could be much of a banana skin, but it, as Chris mentioned, it can be a tricky fixture um, when you consider their atmosphere, the type of football that we're going to come up against, that low block counter-attacking football. But Crystal Palace hasn't addressed their one issue from last season. Their strikers don't score goals. And even if they do get Danny Ings in, no matter how much we love him and we'll, we'll support him now because he's still, he's still in a red shirt, he hasn't done much in the past three seasons. So I wouldn't expect if he makes that move to have much of an impact in the second game of the season. So I I, I doubt Crystal Palace is going to be much of a challenge. Yes, it's going to be a difficult fixture, but I think we get through it with the win. Plenty of confidence there. Brighton then, um, Hakeem, another game that you think you know, the coaching staff would have looked at and gone, this should be a banker, this should, this should be one where we're looking to pick up those points. Um, you know, last season, I think, I mean, uh, Chris Hewton, um, he's, got, he's got a very particular way of playing. Um, wasn't particularly effective against us, but um, uh, how are you expecting that game to go? Do you think it's going to be another one where um, you know, you know, that, that's towards the end of, of the month of August now? Um, so you, you maybe expect Liverpool to start be, you know, picking up a little bit more rhythm, the players getting increasing their fitness, etc. Heading into September, perhaps we're going to be looking a bit sharper there. Um, is that another banker for you? Or another, another I, mean, I say banker, not mean to be disrespectful there, but you, you need to be looking at that as one where we're getting those three points. Do you see anything that could um, potentially be troubling for us there? Well, I, I, I think we might concede against Brighton, but I mean, other than that, I, I see the win because they've, they've added quite a couple of strikers that, that are fairly decent, Ali Reza Jahan Bash and uh, Florent Andone, Andone. So I think they've, they've added goals to their team, which they sorely lacked last season. I don't think you could keep relying on Glenn Murray to score your goals, but oh, <laughs> I still, I as you said, not to be disrespectful to Brighton, but I think it is a banker. It's easy three points for us. Yeah, Pascal Gross last season. I mean, I mean, that was a ridiculous sort of signing in terms of just how effective he was. Chris, looking at Brighton as well. I mean, Chris Hutton's obviously got plenty of respect as a manager in terms of how he approaches things, um, but um, uh, apart from. Izquierdo in patches last season. Really, I didn't see anything that I thought was overly worrying about them as a side. In fact, the way they approached those games against us seemed to eventually play into our hands. Do you think this one, out of, out of those first three, do you think this one potentially is the, the simplest for us? Or or am I wrong to think that? I don't think you're wrong to say it's the simplest. I mean, if you go on, obviously, the last time Liverpool met um, Brighton was the last day of the season and we trounced them in the end 4-0. So, 
uh, you would expect them to play the brand of football that uh, Chris Hutton likes to play. So I think that does favour us in the in the full ends of the game. Um, and they've strengthened a little bit, but have they strengthened um, enough to come to Anfield on a um, Saturday afternoon, which I think is one of my preferred kickoff times, so five thirty-one. I think the players get to see what's gone on before them, get buoyed up, go out and play. So I think of the, all of the fixtures um, in August, obviously the, the opening three to the Premier League season, I think this would be easiest. Is very disrespectful to say to um, Brighton, but I think it would be the one you would expect Liverpool to win by the biggest majority in. Sure. And then, of course, after that, we are. We're heading into September, um, and uh, on the first first of September at twelve thirty again, another sort of lunchtime kickoff that doesn't always work well for us, to be honest. But um, uh, away to Leicester, um, Leicester, of course, who you know Casper Schmeichel's come back from his sort of you know, mid um, World Cup heroics in terms of penalty shootouts, I guess. Um, but then also they have now finally lost one of that of that pair that um, was so instrumental in that title win for them, uh, Riyad Mahrez, having moved on to Manchester City. Um, Harry Maguire, of course, another World Cup star in terms of somebody who may or may not be there um, you know, come uh, the start of the season, depending on sort of the rumours you'd like to believe about him. Um, but Jamie Vardy, of course, still there. Um, Ahmed Musa, Okazaki, the, there's the usual names there who've, uh, um, who we can re- remember from previous seasons. Leicester's always a difficult one, I think, for me personally, just to how their approach is in terms of how they play football has always seemed fairly effective against us in the past. Um, Hakim, is this, a, this is a game where you expect to perhaps see um, the influence of, of those reinforcements that, that we've brought in in terms of Fabino and Keita in midfield um, start to prove dividends in terms of you know, not being as vulnerable as we are to a purely counter-attacking team um, as we have, have been in the past? Well, of course. Uh, before we get to that, I think we should group the Leicester game with, with the, the previous three. I know it falls in September, but I think this is the hardest game of that four-match block before the first international break. And when you look at the the, the fact that they sold Mares, and they've pretty much brought in defensive, defensive reinforcements or players to, to improve them, I think we're in for a really, really tight game with, with that low-block counterattack. As, as you mentioned, and as I've mentioned before, I think Fabinho and Keita will cut, will will nip nip those counterattacks in the bud, you know. So I th- I think they have less of a threat now that they don't have Mares on the right wing to help them out. But it it'll be a tough game. Yeah, it always does seem to be Claude Puel is actually a manager as well that I think is actually far better than the credit he's been given since he came to the Premier League. Um, I, although I, I have to admit, Chris, I, I, I'm echoing Hakim's thoughts there in terms of I've really. I just can't wait to see a cynical foul. I really can't wait to see a, a disgustingly cynical foul by somebody. Um, and that's a game where I can envisage it happening, um, just based upon how Leicester play football. Um, if we do throw that one into the first block, then the four fixtures, um, you, based on the fact that it is September 1st. That's a tough one, isn't it? Leicester have always given us trouble um, in the past, uh, since their success. Um, and even even with losing Mares, I mean, yet to see how they perhaps will strengthen in the final few days, whether they bring somebody in, in, an, att- in an attacking sense. But they're always going to be competitive, aren't they? Yeah, and it's uh, it's an uncomfortable time for Liverpool to kick off, as you mentioned. Obviously, it's away, so it's King Power Stadium. 
um, which again can make um, a volley of noise or it can be a little bit flat. So it just depends on what day you want to catch the Leicester City fans on. But if they're up for it um, and the team are up for it, yeah, it can be a bit of a challenge as we found out over the last couple of seasons um, to go there and get results. Um, you know, we were on the, the wrong end of a defeat in the League Cup the other year. Um, but then if you go by the way they played last season, they, you know, their very last game didn't potentially go to plan against Spurs so they can score as well as Leak. Um, but yeah, this, I think this whole month, although be it we've got that two week break in between the whole month of September is probably one of the worst that we have, um, for for the majority of 2018, actually, obviously there's a lot of games in December, but I think if we're going to look at a, a pure month in, month out, September's probably one of the hardest we'll face. Yeah, of course. I think I mean, there's some fixtures that we're going to come on to here against some sides. And as you mentioned, I think it could be one of the, one of the more tricky months to navigate in the season, even despite that international break following the Leicester game. Um, so, yeah, so... We'll be talking about all those games uh, in September and just how it can be potentially a bit more tricky than we initially thought uh, right after this, uh, this short break. Hi, Jan. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely, Jan. We've got... Your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, guys. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only thirty nine ninety nine for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmphilIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? Right, so back then, and uh, yeah, looking ahead to September, um, Hakim, as um, as Chris mentioned, there, I mean, even despite the international break, um, you know, it's, uh, it's it's a tricky month for us here in terms of the, the remaining games in September. Um, again, fantastically, we returned from the international break for uh, a lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Could you believe it? Again, um, on Sky Sports, fantastic. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a, I'm sure, a highly promoted game against Tottenham Hotspur. So they're a team, um, you know, they'll be um, in their new stadium, I believe. I think, I think that's, that's their first game, isn't it, of course, in, in, in the new stadium for them um, against us. I, I, can't, um, I can't tell you that I, I've not been really looking forward to being the first team to play in that stadium and then, of course, the first team to win in that stadium. I think that'd be hilarious. But um, uh, Spurs are a team, that, as you mentioned right at the start of this pod, we're talking about teams that have been affected by the World Cup more than others. If you think about the players that have been involved in the tournament uh, to a really late stage, uh, they do have quite a few um, who the, are not going to be back in time. But then again, they're a team that we associate now with consistency. Um, lunchtime kickoff against Spurs then, Hakim. How are you feeling about that one after an international break as well? All the omens aren't 
they're not, they're not great, are they? I think this is possibly the hardest fixture of all ten of our first ten games, actually. Um, as you guys mentioned, the early kickoffs were not were not too too good with those. And then, even though we're coming off an international break, I'm sure a lot of players are going to go away, so Klopp won't have the time that he'd like to really plan for that game. I'm sure those Spurs fans are going to be up for it, seeing that it's their first home game. So I think this is the trickiest, or probably the hardest fixture we'll have in our first few games of the season. But hopefully we can we can pull the win out and, and rub it in the Spurs' face. That we're the first team to win at their new stadium. It would be good. What do you make of Spurs then? Obviously, as I mentioned, players there who are late returning. Um, when we think of modern day Spurs, we think of Harry Kane, we think of Huming Sun, uh, Christian Eriksen, you know, the, the real spine of the team. Some of them perhaps not going to be back or, or at least, at the very least, not, not back to full fitness for them. Um, Hugo Lloris as well, you think about, you know, him, him returning late, you know, key figures in their team there. Um, Aldo Viral you know, may well be gone by then. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, Davidson Sanchez was blooded um, against um, sorry, pairing with Vertonghen for large parts of the season. But uh, do you expect them to have um, or, or to potentially have a slower start to the season based on those players who are who are missing? I think this might be Spurs' real, in in air quotes, first game of the season when you think about it. Because when you look at their their fixtures prior to this, they're playing Newcastle. Fulham, Man U, and Watford, and they're all away games, so they could struggle in those games. I don't see them winning more than probably two of those games. So they're coming back. I mean, their players are probably really going to get into the into the groove of things then, seeing that they're going to have that that international break. Some of them might not go away, so they get a bit of extra training in. So I think they'll really be up for this game. But they in the first four games, they're going to struggle quite a bit, seeing that. They don't even have all their players back in from from the World Cup yet. Yeah, they are one that I look at and think, um, yeah, if anyone's going to start slowly, perhaps it's going to be them. Even despite the consistency that they've shown to Pochettino, Chris uh, Pochettino has come out recently. Um, uh, obviously, he's one who usually quite you know, likes to show you know, that he's towing the party line, but the lack of signings, um, you know, he's, he's sort of saying you know, he's not the person to be speaking to about that. Um, obviously, the, you know, moving into a new stadium comes with its own sacrifices. You know, even the ones that you're not willing to admit to the media you know, uh, from time to time. Uh, Spurs have a remarkably sort of consistent record. Um, you look at the players in their team as well. There's, there's not been too much turnaround there. Um, you know, brought in Lucas Moura last season, didn't get much of a go. Perhaps he's going to be more influential in the, in the opening games. Um, what do you make of them then as opponents? I mean, obviously, this game withstanding initially. I mean. How do you think they're going to do in, in August then, as they start the season? Um, and do you share Hakim's view that this game could be their first proper um, you know, kickoff of the season? Yeah, I do. And I think we know, um, as Liverpool fans um, and as people who have watched Liverpool, what it's like to play your first few games away. Happened to Liverpool the other season with the opening of the main stand, and obviously we invited um, Leicester City. Um, to the first game at Anfield and we tore them apart because that's what your fans want to see. They want to come to a new stadium or a new part of the stadium opening. And in Tottenham's case, it is a brand new stadium, um, you know, built in the remnants of their old um, home. And you would think that this is where they will probably be looking at and going, everyone will be back. Um, and this is the one that we want to kick on at. But to counter that, 
you know, if Tottenham would have, if, if you take Liverpool without their strengthening and you take Tottenham on face value as they are now, I think that's a pretty, a pretty even game. This particular Tottenham side, I think um, Pochettino is quite right to maybe strop a little bit. Everybody around him has, um, has strengthened. Manchester United will strengthen. Um, Liverpool have obviously strengthened. Chelsea look like they're going to be strengthening and could maybe take Spurs' place back off the Manchester City have strengthened, albeit you know they've brought in um, Mares. Tottenham haven't done any of that. So if we're going to go on paper, I think Liverpool are a lot stronger at the moment um, going into that game. Um, as long as there's no international casualties to Liverpool, um, then I think um, Tottenham could be in for a little upset. But the thing that worries me the most is um, it's opening day in their st- or it should be opening day in their stadium if it's not knocked back, um, and that will be an historic day for them, an historic event. And judging by the um, by the kickoff time as well, sometimes Liverpool can um, fail to come alive when they go away on an early kickoff on a Saturday, um, and if they come to life against Leicester City, there's a potential that they could fall back into old habits two weeks later. So. This is um, a banana skin for me um, for the opening few fixtures as we look at them and and mainly based out on the fact that Tottenham are going to be playing a brand new home and they will be really up for that. But as I say on paper, Liverpool should see the better of them or at least come away with a draw, I'd hope, as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm not having this, um, especially after last season. I'm just... Uh, that you know, this particular fixture, albeit in a different stadium, uh, was one that, of course, actually proved to be a turning point for Liverpool in, in the season, but was one that was obviously very unpleasant to watch. Um, I've just got, I mean, I think everything that you've just said there, Chris, about you know, it's, it's a historic occasion for Spurs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I completely agree with all of that. You expect them to be up for it, and that just makes it even more of a, of a sort of delicious opportunity to go there and uh, spoil the party, I guess. But it, obviously, as you mentioned, that, that kickoff time's not been great for us, um, you know, especially following a, a break. Um, so well, let's hope that we can sort of remain focused and that the increased uh, squad strength uh, you know, helps us there as well, because I think that's going to be uh, quite a tight game as well, yeah, provided there's, that there's nobody making you know, horrific mistakes again for it. Um, Southampton, then another team that, God, had a really weird season last time round. Um, a team that we so often associate with, you know, planning and um, methodical approach to you know, how they play football, how they recruit footballers, and um, even how they recruit, recruited their managers to an extent. You know, Pochettino having been there beforehand. Um, ever since then, it seems like they've been sort of grasping for something. Hakeem, Mark Hughes is at the helm now. Um, you know, managed to help them avoid relegation, but not the most. Uh, inspiring of appointments, I, I'd, I'd argue, based upon um, you know, you know, his style of football, just what he did at Stoke, and, uh, whether he was able to really kick on with that club. Um, but then again, you, know, you could say he was he brought stability. Um, what are you ex- expecting from Southampton this season? Because for much of last season, they seemed to be a mess, um, especially maybe with the, the cloud of Van Dijk leaving over them for the season. Obviously sacked their coach. Um, how do you expect this game to be for for Liverpool? A three o'clock kickoff, of course. I think this will be a be a fairly comfortable one, seeing seeing that this is a regular time for us to play. Um, I know they've they've made a few signings to address the Van Dyke, well address Van Dyke leaving 
they've lost Tadish, but they replaced him with Moelle Nussi. So I think they've done okay business so far to just reestablish themselves as a solid mid-table team before they can push on again, trying to go for Europe. But I think this is, this is going to be a comfortable game, actually. Chris, how do you feel about this? Obviously, I mean, there are there is some real talent in that Southampton team. I, I, I don't think that was ever in doubt, really. I think that's why, when you were looking at them struggling towards the end of the last season, you just wondered. I mean, wow, is it is it purely a case of not having a striker that is a reliable goal scorer for them? Which, you know, Shane Long going on a, a long, long drought. Um, Gabby Adini seemingly not trusted after that really positive start that he had. Charlie Austin, I guess, proving to be the most the more effective option that they had. Um, after a while, um, but Mark Hughes at the helm now. I mean, how are you expecting Southampton to perform next season? And um, do you agree with Hakim? Is this one that we should be looking at as opposed to Spurs and Leicester, where we go, you know, this should be uh, more of a comfortable game at least for Liverpool? Well, yeah, it should be um, comfortable. But don't forget the um, Champions League match day one starts on either the 18th or the 19th for Liverpool of September. Course. So. Um, depending on what draw we get and who we play, um, you know, we could be at home or we could be um, somewhere in the far reaches of Eastern Europe. So we wait to see how you know how that game comes, and then we go into this one. Um, so that worries me. How Liverpool will come off a Champions League um, game? Obviously, against the final last season, expectations will be high um, as it stands currently in pot three. Um, so we could face a bit of a nightmare draw. Um, so yeah, going to South, uh, sorry, so Southampton um, coming to us um, without that Champions League foray midweek, I think we should be okay because you, you're quite right. Uh, Mark Hughes doesn't play particularly uh, attractive style of football. Um, I would say that Southampton, as you look at them at the moment, probably aren't as strong as they were. You know, two seasons ago, and discuss is that down to us? Probably yes, because uh, we post a couple <laughs> of decent players off them. Um, but you know, they've gelled quite well, and you know, see who they've um, see who they've brought in doesn't really um, inspire me to um, to make them think they could do anything to really trouble Liverpool in that fixture. Um, but yeah, there's just a slight niggling doubt in the back of my mind um, where we're going midweek in the Champions League. Had this been away at St Mary's, I'd be a, a lot more um I'd be a lot more worried than than I am because it's it's obviously at Anfield. But yeah, do the midweek just concerns me a little bit. Well, this is where our signings uh, puts me at ease a bit because when we look at our more squad from last season, Sturge wasn't used as much as I'm sure he would have liked to have been used. But he, it seems that Klopp Klopp is invested in him for this season, bringing Shakiri in. I think we'll 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 handle the midweek to Saturday fixture transition fairly well because we can just rotate two or maybe one out of the front three, rotate the midfield a bit, and it's not a huge drop off in quality. But that's why I'm at ease for the Southampton fixture, regardless of who we get in midweek. Yeah, I'd I'd go along with that. Um... But just because it's, it'll be the first real rotation, so it may be the first time that we see a few players get their action uh, with Liverpool. If it was match day two or three in the Champions League, uh, I think the squad may be used to it. But just as it's match day one in the Champions League, that's why it just fills me with just a little niggling doubt in my mind. Just just on that then, Chris, I mean, obviously Hakeem mentioned Sturridge there as, as, as potentially an option that could be brought in. Um, I think we've all sort of, you know, all been delighted to see 
the sort of preseason that he's had. Um, he's returned uh, touch wood so far. He seems you know in great physical shape, um, mentality wise. You know, he seems to be really enjoying himself with the new recruits, Cater uh, and himself seem to have formed quite a nice friendship already, which you know, both on and off the pitch, which is quite exciting. Um, and you, know, you you can you can discuss for I guess a long time the reasons behind this sort of um, you know, mini resurgence that we're seeing in preseason. Uh, do, do you view him as um, as somebody who you know, fitness provided? Um, uh, Klopp is going to view as somebody who who has a role in in this sort of game. Then you know, being rotated in. Um, do you think that's his role for this upcoming season? And and when he does come in, um, it should he do? Um, are you expecting there to be any formation changes, Chris? Obviously, your four-three-three is what we've been used to for such a long time, um, albeit you know, moves around a lot and it's more fluid than that. Um, do you, would you expect any changes to be made you know, to accommodate someone like Sturridge coming into the team for a game like this Southampton midweek one? Yeah, I don't know if he changed just because of Daniel Sturridge. He may change because of, of the rotation that he'll have to do. Obviously, early on in pre-season, well, we, we've seen a few a um, few formations, 4-2-3. One was banded around for a bit. Obviously, 4-3-3 seems to be the Liverpool staple. Um, the addition of the likes of Shaqiri and especially Cater being able to play in different roles could um, lend Liverpool to play in a 4-4-2 formation. Daniel Sturridge does like to play with someone else next to him. But I would say that fitness providing, uh, Daniel Sturridge is, is excellent. Um, and if he's on his day when he's fit, I think he's one of the best players Liverpool um, have got in their in their ranks. Um, it's just whether he can stay fit or not. Um, but very strangely, on certain parts of social media, he seems to be getting a bit of a pan in because he looks to have bonded with Naby Keita. I don't know why. I think that's great. Then to <laughs> certainly look to be able to play well. Um, was it the game at Blackburn and the one before that? They they certainly looked like they'd struck up a bit of a partnership. So. Um, if they can do that, because the whole point of Cater's game is to look at moving the ball quickly as possible from wherever he is, be that on the edge of your own box or be it on the edge of someone else's box. He's looking to play that forward ball and Daniel Sturridge would definitely be an outlet for him. So um, I, I think the additions we've got will play to um, Sturridge's strength. And if he can have another good season like he did a couple ago, um, it would be fantastic, not just for him, but for the club. But it's whether he can stay fit. He certainly looks um, hungry more hungry than you could have said their past couple of seasons. But once again, I think you have to congratulate the club because they've done a lot of um, remarkable social media work and interviews with him and where he's been portrayed in, in a fantastic light. So um, I do think we have the ability to rotate and in and out and, and maybe be strong. So this game against Southampton, yeah, I could, I could see him being used in that or, you know, depending on what the Champions League game is, if we're at home and if it's um, to a side pot four side who potentially Liverpool should be the better in of you know, we could see rotations come for that um, but yeah I think we should have the we should have the squad depth to to see out you know the first few games anyway so I think Daniel Sturridge is definitely key to that and you can tell because you think Jurgen Klopp would have moved him on because you know he's looking at moving people on this window um, whether they like it or not. Mignolet has been touted with a move. Carius has been touted with a move. Danny Ings has obviously gone. You know, he, he seems to be um, a little bit ruthless this particular window. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's part of the ruthlessness that we actually heard that he had when he first arrived at the club. And obviously he's taken a bit, taken a bit longer to actually move certain players on than 
yeah, m- maybe some expected when he first came in, but th- I think it makes more sense as well, just based on him assessing the squad. Um, Sturridge as well, I completely agree with you. I think there's, there does seem to be a great hunger there. I, I hadn't seen him getting any stick for bonding with Kater. That that's, that's, seems pretty strange, actually. Because of that. Yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit saying, so, you know, look at him, you know, in the same way that um, Lovren got the ah, last stick for bonding yeah, him with yeah. Salah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe thinks it's, you know, I think people look at football a bit simplistic sometimes. Just because Dejan Lovren is, you know, Mohamed Salah's mate doesn't mean that Jurgen Klopp's either going to keep him or sell him. And I think you can say the same likewise if um, Naby Keita and Daniel Sturridge had struck up a fantastic friendship. Who knows, he might even live next door to each other in Formby. I don't even know where Keita's living. So, you know, they might be naturally good friends, but will, will that stop Klopp moving, you know, either or one of them on at some point? Probably not. So if they're friends, just let them be friends. Albi Moreno, and, and, and my God, I mean, I do love Albi Moreno. Um, he, he's friends with everybody, but it, it didn't help him get time on the pitch last season, did it? I mean, uh, as soon as Robertson was fit and uh, flowing, you know, really now now down that spot. But um, to move on then, I mean, I, again, I want to look at these two games as a pair uh, based upon the quality of opposition that we're playing here. Uh, Chelsea and Man City there. Um, you know, Chelsea uh, on the 29th of September, again, 5.30 kickoff, um, City. Uh, 6th of October, 3 o'clock kickoff. Um, Chelsea. I mean, then... we can all expect that to change. Yeah, oh yeah, it's going to change. <laughs> um, but Ch- Chelsea then, really interesting case. Um, Hakim Sari's come in now um, after the toing and throwing over. You know, yeah, how how should they sack uh, you know, Conte? Obviously, finally did part ways. Um, Giorgino uh, has has come in um, uh, alongside Sari there. Um, Real coup for them, I think, actually, because of just his talent as a player. But lots of rumours, uh, you know, floating around about Hazard leaving, um, Courtois leaving, um, even Kante as well, to an extent, you know, whether he'll still be there. Willian seems to be tatted out across everywhere. Um, anybody who wants a fast winger for, you know, uh, more money than you probably should be paying for Willian, um, you know, he seems to be, uh, keen to move on as well. Um, so that would leave Chelsea with a sort of, slightly depleted squad, um, new manager at the helm, lots of work to be done there. Um, how do you view um, sort of Chelsea as an opponent next season? Uh, but also, um, what do you expect from this game as well, away uh, at Chelsea? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place with this one because when you look back at the, the type of football that Chelsea's played in the past few seasons, it's quite defensive. They're, they're pretty much set up to play with a three at the back, considering all the defenders that they have. But then when you think of what Sarri's done with Na- with that Napoli team and the Sarri ball that he plays, it's, it's quick vertical passes, you know, quick transitions, playing the ball forward as soon as possible. So I don't know if Chelsea can get, if they could, hopefully that they don't, get into his, his type of, his style of playing over the first few games then it might be tricky for us. It probably could be a high-scoring game. But then if they don't really buy into the style of play yet, then I, I could see us running away with the win. So it, it all depends on their first few fixtures. I mean, their hardest game before they play us is probably the Arsenal game, which is going to be a huge one. So depending on how they come out of that, they have a very comfortable running before they they meet us. So let's hopefully that they don't... Let's hope that they don't have the best of time and if not then you can get the win there yeah Chris Chelsea as opponents next season yeah lots of 
things in, in flux at that club at the moment. You know, lots of rumours also um, about you know the seriousness of Abramovich's interest in the club, whether the money is going to remain there. You know, they, they quite clearly don't have the same uh, power or sway that they had a couple of years ago. I think you know, we've proven that as well. Actually, just you know, beating them to a number of targets over the past couple of years. You know, Chamberlain being one, uh, Alison Becker. Um, someone that they were interested in as well, of course, um, you know, having those fears about losing Courtois. Um, what do you make of it then? then you know, Sari arriving there, um, you know, got a big project on his hands, um, and then also this game in particular. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a poison chalice for managers in the past, hasn't it? Um, Chelsea and you know, going back to the whole Abramovich area. Um, Sorry, how long does he get if they don't get off to a particularly good start, you, you would think he could be one of the first managerial casualties. That's because, um, you know, the way Abramovich plays it, um, I will be, as a Liverpool supporter, I will be a lot happier if Hazard, Willian and Quartar go at some point. But who do they replace them with? Um, not so sure. Um, will they get rid of any of them? I'm not particularly sure about that either. Um But they do have some strong players. Willian, obviously, one of them. I do... Uh, I do like Chelsea's back line. I saw them a couple of times last season um, in a Champions League, covered them um, for football grad. Um, and and yeah, they do play some nice football, but whether they're going to do that, as Hakeem says, under Sarri straight away, um, is one is one to worry about. I think the only doubt that we could have on that is we we meet them right at the very end of September. So you would you would think with a new manager, um, he should have started to really put his footprint down on that um on that side getting towards the back end of September, early October. Um yeah, it's a, it's a night fixture again for or an evening fixture for us again on a weekend or you know, one I particularly like Liverpool to play in. Um, these fixtures in the past have, have been enthralling fixtures and you can't call them either way. And, you know, it's it's one that I probably wouldn't want to call um, for fear of looking completely stupid. So uh, my heart says that Liverpool will win. My head would say if we came away from Stamford Bridge with a point, um, that would be, you know, just as good. Yeah. And then, of course, City at home. And we mentioned how this game may well be rescheduled. But um, the fixture itself then, um, yeah, some of the most uh, entertaining um uh, also agonising games of, of of last season's campaign against Manchester City. Um, clearly an incredibly impressive side under Pep Guardiola. Um, not, you know, is, it, is it just one signing that's come in so far for them into the Riyad Mahrez? Perhaps there's been a couple others as well. Um, I've not been paying too much attention at City um, during the summer, but um, you know, clearly a formidable squad anyway. Some players who've come back late for the World Cup, of course. Um, uh, Chris, what do you expect from... City next um, this upcoming season. You know, clearly, you, you, maybe you'd presume, given the manager, given the quality that's there, um, them to re- you know, retain the sort of consistency and, and high quality football that we saw from them last season. Um, or are there any doubts that you that you see in terms of their, their ability to do that? Well, you would expect Manchester City to be somewhere in the mix come next May for um, handing out trophies as the Champions League or the um, Premier League. So it's always a difficult one. And that's the interesting um, thing, isn't it? Do you think perhaps there's a there's a potential for Pep to be looking at that Champions League now and thinking, I've not won it yet for for uh, for a number of years. Uh, it's been thrown at me as a 
as a case of you know, perhaps me failing at these top clubs despite you know, breaking all records and winning the the the, the domestic trophies um is there is there potential for them to be putting all their eggs in that basket this time round despite I'm sure having a good premier league season i think the champions league is one that manchester city brought guardiola in for it's the same thing that bayern munich brought guardiola in for um, he had a bit of a trouble following in the footsteps of Jot Hankus, who, who won the treble that season in his last season, um, Champions League, Bundesliga and Pokal. And he was brought in to really push that on and, and he wasn't able to do that at Bayern. Um, he's been brought into Manchester City to you know contain um, and to develop their league championship winning um, squad, which he's done. Um, but it's going to be all about the, the Champions League at some point for City. And I think for Pep Guardiola, this season becomes the Champions League season for him. Um, where it will get talked about, not just um, by people in the media, but by City fans themselves, where there comes to a point where you know they are becoming perennial champion, uh, perennial Premier League winners and fighters. Um, their fans will want to start to taste a different, um, a different victory. And I think we all saw the reaction after Liverpool dumped them out of the Champions League quite easily last season, and um, the ferociousness across social media that Manchester City fans took that with um, states that that competition is something that they hold dear and want to see them winning. So will they take their eye off the league ball and, and go for the Champions League? Probably not in the same way that Liverpool will look to be fighting on these two main fronts themselves. Um, it's just going to be another thrilling victory. Obviously, Manchester City got the better of us last season when we went down um, to 10 men. This one's at Anfield where we blew them away inside of 10 minutes, so or in a 10-minute period, I should say. Um, so I'm hoping for another enthralling fixture. Um, as long as it ends in a Liverpool victory, I'll be very happy. But uh, you, this is one of those games where you definitely can't call. Um, I look at them each season. You go Manchester United, Manchester City. They're two that, you know, it, it depends on on all sorts of aspects. The weather, the people in the stadium, the trip to the stadium. These are the games where you can't call. And, and whoever's stronger on paper or whoever's weaker on paper seems to go out the window. So if we're looking at the opening 10 fixtures, and this is a standout one. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be one that's heavily publicised, despite the fact that right now I can't see it being on on TV uh, in terms of looking at these fixtures. But I'm yeah, not, it'll, that'll that'll most definitely. I'm not change sure that can be right. <laughs> yeah, it'll change to either a Saturday evening or Liverpool Manchester City. You would expect to you be a Super so, Sunday game. Yeah, <laughs> you'd imagine. So. Hakeem, then I mean, you've, you heard what Chris has had to say about Manchester City. Um, what are you expecting from them as a prospect next season? Um, do you think that there is the potential for them you know, looking at Champions League now, especially Guardiola, thinking, I, I need to, I need to win this. I mean, he, he strikes me as a man who's a, an obsessive um, about all aspects of football and um, uh, you know, one who wants to you know, prove himself at the highest level. So I'm sure he'll be wanting his team to to go all the way in European competition this season. Um, but yeah, having said that, the squad depth is so great. Um, yeah, so what are you expecting from City? Uh, this season, but then also, um, of course, in that first game against us uh, at Anfield. Well, I think it's been, I think it's been an aspiration for them to win the Champions League for quite a few years. And when you look at their squad, you can say that they have the squad for it. When you think about the signings that they've made in Mars or the ones that they intended to make with Jorginho, even though scuppered by Chelsea, I think they were pushing to build their squad wholly for a Champions League run and then maintaining a quality enough squad to play in the Premier League games when they needed to rotate. So I think his eye is going to be mostly on the Champions League, but I'll leave the the reason and logic to Chris on this one in regards to the game. 
I think we're going to smash them 3-0. Mane, Salah, Firmino, and then Van Dijk with a header that's going to hit the wire. That's my contribution. I like that. I like that a lot. Even predicting, yeah, efforts off the bar and the woodwork now. That's that's good. That's a, that's a, that's a very good level. Especially with our centre-backs as well. You seem to be very threatening in the box, but actually don't score as much as you, as you, as you perhaps think they would. Um, moving on to those last two games then, that we're looking at in this pod then, Huddersfield Town and, and Cardiff. Huddersfield, uh, huge achievement for them last time around. You know, David Wagner um, helping them... Uh, stay in the league um, uh, doing so you know, playing good football as well at times despite the you know, lack of quality that, that sometimes proved they're down for um, Chris um, how would you expect him to build upon last season then David Wagner I mean it's, it's such a huge achievement for them to, to do what they'd done um, yeah, this season it becomes about consolidation but um, uh, do you expect any changes from, from Huddersfield this time around? Not really. I, I'm, to be brutally honest, I'm surprised he's still there. I spoke to David Wagner in right. the press area um, at Anfield, I think it was after the City game. I was trying to remember back, or it was at half-time during the Manchester City game. Um, I just grabbed five minutes with him. Um, and uh, my main question was, you know, are you going to be going back to the Bundesliga next season? And, and his answer was, there's still a lot to play for at Huddersfield, and I'll make that decision come the end of the season. So, I personally thought he would have moved on and, and that's no disrespect to Huddersfield Town, but he took them into the Premier League and he kept them in the Premier League. I can't see him getting them into the Europa League slots. So for me personally, looking at him, he's taken them to what I would say is their glass ceiling under him. Um, and I thought he would have handed over the reins to somebody else and, and maybe gone back um, and tried his hand in either the Bundesliga or probably too good for the second Bundesliga, but certainly in, in the main Bundesliga. Um how do I think we'll get on? Well, I think it's a guaranteed victory because he's Klopp's best mate. And That's bad know, to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we used to look back and you know, Alex Ferguson used to motor past his Steve mates. And, uh, you know, yeah, as I say that in jest. Um, I think Liverpool will be far too strong um, for Huddersfield. You, know, you look who they've brought in. Okay, they have brought in quite a few sign-ins. Um, but are they at a level that could possibly um, frighten Liverpool? You know, the only one would be um, Eric Durham, who came from um, Dortmund, but then obviously he left because Dortmund weren't willing to um, renegotiate his contract and, and sign him back on. So, I, if you look at he brought a couple of players in. They brought um, one from Mainz, one from Ingolstadt. So these aren't the, the Bundesliga sides who you want to be recruiting from if you're going to mount a challenge on the trophy. But for Huddersfield Town, and uh, you know it is a very small town in the north of England for anybody that's not been there. For them to be a Premier League side is is an, a, a fundamental massive achievement and the fact that they're playing week in and week out in the Premier League is is an achievement enough for them so I think and they will be in a relegation fight again come the end of the season and I would hope in my heart um, I'm in my head that Liverpool would be way too strong um, and coming off either a positive victory against City or you know God forbid a defeat against City this is um, probably the best and you know probably the best remedy they could find for it for sure, I think. I mean, David Wagner and Huddersfield very kind to Liverpool last season in terms of both the way in which they played in those games, but also, of course, the, those results as well. Um, Hakeem, coming to the final game now, then, of, of, of those 10 that we previewed so far, um, if you don't tell me that we're going to comfortably beat Neil Warnock's Cardiff City, <laughs> I think I'm, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful at all, but I, I just can't, I can't stomach the thought of not, 
uh, beating a Neil Warnock side. Um, I mean, how, how do you think this is going to go? Um, the last of these 10 fixtures that, we've, that we've, been, we've been talking about, of course, end of October. Um, as Chris mentioned there, you know, City is a game that could go either way. Uh, so Huddersfield is quite a nice one to come back to off that. Um, and the combo of Huddersfield and Cardiff, again, could be um, either a way of having a, a month where we get those nine points or you know, should we suffer um, or you know, fall a little bit short against City, um, two games that we could potentially pick up six points for. Um, how do you think that Cardiff game uh, should go. Well, here's where I make a bit more reasoned argument. Oh. So when you look at the <laughs> the signings that Cardiff has made, Josh Murphy, Bobby Reed, Alex Smithies, these are all championship players. It, Cardiff is still a championship club. It, it, I was very surprised that they even made it out of the league. But with Neil Warnock and the f- type of football that he plays, they, they're going to stay in, stay in certain games and, and pull out certain results. Uh, well, if look at the fixtures that they have prior to our game they're in for a hard run they're playing arsenal (laughs) chelsea man city burnley spurs and then fulham and i'm sure fulham will be up for it so they might be on a really horrible losing streak so it'll be a perfect time for us to capitalize on that i I think i think we smashed them Yeah. yeah there is a little bit more reason about that actually yeah Hakeem and you talking about those those previous fixtures that they might have. Also, I think you know, whilst not being disrespectful, we do have to factor in the quality and the difference in quality between these sides. As you mentioned, there the recruitment that you've seen from Cardiff is, is it has been um, that of a side that you know, still perhaps in the uh, in the championship. So you'd imagine it's going to be a physical approach from a, from a, from a, a Warnock side. But um, uh, you know, one way you think that the superior quality in the end would would tell out and that, that Liverpool could come away from that. You know, having you know, a fairly positive month in October, especially if it does start with a big win um, over the likes of Manchester City. So, guys, I mean, thanks for having me preview those first 10 games there. Lots to talk about, lots to think about in terms of the, how we're excited about how we're going to start the season, the, the different teams that we're coming up against, and also you know, what's going on for those teams as well. But to put you both on the spot then, because you know, it's just always good to do predictions on these preview pods, um, out of the available 30 points, Chris, uh, what do you reckon that we're going to um, you know, enter November uh, with? Well, if Liverpool got any aspirations of winning the league and they need to pick up a minimum of 25, so um, that's what I'm going for. Very nice, I like that. And, and, and Hakeem, what are you, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, Chris mentioned the aspirations there, you know, what we need to be getting. Uh, what do you think we're going to be getting? Well, spot on, I... I predicted 27. So I think we just lose one game Whew. or or okay. or we draw three games. But other than that, I think we, we come out with the wins and the rest. I, I would take a minimum of 25, as Chris mentioned, though. Well, we are, we're, not, we're not demanding, are we? <laughs> as, as Liverpool fans, <laughs> 25 points. Yeah, I think, I, I think that is also what I'm looking at as well, just purely from a perspective of what, uh, as Chris alluded to there, it's what we need to be holding ourselves to. Um, if we're going to mount a charge on uh, on the title this season, as we mentioned with City, uh, you know, posting such a points total, the, the precedent's been set, and it, it, despite them not being able to maybe maintain that this season, um, you know, it's still it's still a good uh, target to be you know, looking to try and hit uh, for the end of the season. So, anyway, guys, thank you so much for helping me come on and and preview these first games of the season. I think all of us probably can't wait for it to get started now. Still, a couple of preseason friendlies uh, to go through. Uh, before we do get underway against West Ham, 
um, uh, in the first game of the season. But uh, um, just before I, I do go, do either of you have, have anything to plug? Chris, did you have anything to, to plug on your side? Um, well, I'm just doing quite a lot of live stuff. For this is Anfield. Um, and obviously work with um, Football Graduate, a partner with Anfield Index. So I'll be out in Germany um, at some point. I'm covering some German games. So if you've got any interest in that, you can find me on Twitter at Chris78Williams. For sure, definitely recommend that. And, and Hakeem, uh, given that you're still sort of starting off on all these new Anfield Index pods now, um, uh, is there one in the pipeline for you, or is this uh, the only one for a while for uh, for now? Well, I don't have any plans for any any soon. But if something comes up, then you guys can look out for me look or listen out for me on on another pod. Uh, you guys could follow me at Keem Dreamstar on Twitter. I'll be happy to engage with anyone and have a conversation about Liverpool or whatever football you guys want to talk about. So. I like that a lot. Uh, I also like how I put you on the spot to plug yourself for another pod at the end of a pod. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. a, that's, a, that's a very nice one from me. Um, I, I'd also be remiss, of course, um, uh, if I left without sort of plugging Anfield Index Pro. Uh, great offer on that at the moment. And now, of course, accepting PayPal as well for, for your subscription. So do check that out. Loads of great content sure to be coming uh, you know, listeners' way for the start of the season. Uh, it's an exciting one, plenty of new signings, uh, great uh, sort of mood in the camp as well, as we all talked about at the start. So uh, thanks uh, very much to listening for this pod. I'm sure you're excited for the start of the season. And we'll be back um, uh, very shortly with the first game, first preview pod of the season for that West Ham game. So thanks very much for listening, guys. Podcast Network.